Great Lake City, welcome to Reynolds and Kathy Maines as they come on up here to the pulpit. Let's spend some time with them. <clears throat> Bless you guys, you're so amazing, so amazing. All right, so sit down guys, because what I'm gonna, rather than, I want them to kind of share a little bit with us just about what's been going on. They haven't really been, we've seen them a couple times since, um, since last time you've seen them, but just so they can give us a little bit of an update, first of all, talk about a little bit about what's going on with the World Embrace project that's going on over in uh, Africa. Now, I'll be careful, Africa is not a country, Africa is a continent, over in Uganda, specifically the north, uh, northwestern corner up there uh, in the area of uh, Agulu. And so why don't you guys just talk a little bit, if you could, give us a little bit of an update. I really want to keep you up here for the whole service today, if I can do that, um, because I also want them to be able to share with us a little bit, uh, even about what I'd like, what I feel the Lord is having us to talk about today as a congregation. And so um, I've asked them to sort of stick around. We'll do this part of it just so that we can get a little bit of an update of what's going on in their lives, and then we're going to zip right into a little bit of just discussion time after that. So... Tell us a little bit what's happening over in Gulu. I heard your brother, somebody's, br your brother is over there right now, is he? He was. He was, and now he's back. Okay, so they've, all right, praise the Lord. So talk Pastor talk Ian and that. Pastor Tina, thank you again for having us in. This is home, it really is. We love being here with you all. And wow, what a beautiful time of worship we had this morning. Thank you, worship team. You don't know how blessed you are here. Maybe you do. You do, because we do a lot of traveling, and, and boy, the, the Spirit is so welcome in this place, and you, you give the Spirit time and leeway to do whatever the Spirit wants to do in our lives, and God bless you for the freedom that you have in this place and liberty. Wow. And to, to take us to Africa on the video, that was a blast to see that again. Really enjoyed the team, and next year, 2018, we need a team again uh, from Light City Church. Bless you folks, that's wonderful. Um, Kathy and I, we've been back now uh, longer than we wanted here in North America. Uh, my dad became ill in September and passed away later in that month. And uh, so that pushed our schedule ahead. But it was God's timing as well. We were back for our youngest child's wedding, our son, September 4th and the next day, and my dad was there. My dad is David Maines. He's uh, fairly well known here in Canada uh, and has been faithful to the call. And uh, he was a champion, uh, a warrior. And uh, God continues to raise up others. When he takes others home, others fall in behind. God has a plan. It's not up to one person or one ministry or one church. God has a master plan that you are a part of. We all are a part of. And so um, that was a glorious celebration of his life. We miss Dad greatly, of course, and will continue to. But uh, we had the privilege, I had the privilege to be with Dad his last 20 days of life. My brother and I took turns through the night because we wanted, whenever he was awake, to have family there. And that was really special that we could be back from Africa uh, for our son's wedding. And then the next day, my dad went into the hospital and he never came out. But uh, God is good. And I am confident that I will spend more time with my dad in the future than I have in the past. And that's the blessed hope of our salvation and the work that was done at the cross and eternal life. 
We need to see things here from a heavenly perspective, from an elevated perspective, even your life and your situation. Allow God by his Holy Spirit for you to see your life in an elevated way by the Holy Spirit, how God would view your life, how God is planning your life, how your life is just not in this moment and over and done, but it is eternal in Christ Jesus. But praise God, Kathy and I are going back on Monday, tomorrow, going back to Uganda. Then we'll be there for about nine months and because uh, we're there the majority of the time, we come back to be with family and friends and visit you folks and raise awareness, prayer support, financial support for the ministry. And you guys have been a huge blessing. Kathy, there's not another church in North America that's more, more supportive than you guys with your encouragement your prayers, your teams, your support. God bless you guys for your involvement outside of your city, outside of your province, outside of your country, to the ends of the earth. And God bless you for that. And I see he has. Yes. Um, well, what direction should we go here, Kathy? I know we want to bring an update. Okay. Well, we have a few photos. Uh, first, just to bring you, make you aware of where we are again, there's Gulu, Uganda, in northern Uganda. Uh, you can see it there, and I guess they're going to drop that for a little bit again, are they? Okay, that's pretty big. There's going to be some important stuff on there, I think, later. But we're privileged to be in the north there. From South Sudan, it's about 60 miles north of us, and right now the largest um, refugee region of the world is to the, between Gulu and the South Sudan border. We have about a million South Sudanese that are there in camps, and we believe part of the future ministry of World Embrace will be up in that area ministering to those because it'll end up being a city. They won't all go back to Sudan in 5 or 10 or 15 years when things settle down in South Sudan. They will become part of Uganda, and we believe that God has some plans in place for us to be a part of ministering to that refugee uh, community. And when I say us, I mean you and us, because you are a part of us. We're all on the same team. That's the we, W-E, World Embrace, we, yes. Um, we shared an update last uh, winter with you, February. We want to give you another update on something that was really cool that happened. Totally unexpected, but that's the way God works. It took courage. Yes. It really did. Is your mic on? Make sure. I think so. There, there we go. it is. Yeah. Because that's the most important mic because it's in her hands. Oh, you're sweet. It is true. Um, but uh, when we arrived in early March, our LC5, that means our local chairman five, he's the top elected person in all of our district of Gulu, he called us into his office because the East African Games uh, were coming to Gulu. All the best high school athletes from East Africa coming to Gulu. And Gulu wasn't ready, so he was in a bit of a panic. And he knew that World Embrace, together with the churches, because we work with the Christ-centered churches of Gulu, he knew that we had been involved in renovating the basketball courts in town, sponsoring the athletes, uh, renovating the, the children's prison that you saw in the video there. Since then, it's been renovated. I can't wait for the team to come back to see uh, and just involved in different things. They knew about our vision and dream for the Gulu Community Champion Center, which we'll share more about in a minute. So he asked us, would World Embrace donate 35 million Uganda shillings? That's about $10,000 US. And we said, well, we're a charity. It's, it's not part of our plan right now, and this is kind of out of the blue, but we'll pray about it. And if we feel God wants us to go for it, 
Uh, we'll let you know. We'll talk to you tomorrow. So we prayed about it. We felt really good about it. It was totally non-religious, renovating the Peche War Memorial Stadium. Mind you, it's the most important building probably in northern Uganda. It's so near and dear to the hearts of the people because every major sporting event took place, has taken place in this stadium. Don't envision a stadium like we have here, okay? It's a big field with a walled fence around it, and you can sit about 400 people in concrete stands, okay? But that's the... Can come. Tens of thousands can come. Okay. Not this little 400. Yeah, they, they can pack them in. 30,000 ended up coming. So yes. Give you an idea of how big it is. Yeah, so uh, we prayed about it and we felt it was right. So we said to him the next day, we haven't raised the money. We're a charity. We don't have the money, but we're believing that God will provide it. So we will commit to raising that 35 million shillings towards the Peche War Memorial Stadium built by the British in 1962 to honor the Acholi people that fought in the Second World War because they said, what can we do for you? They said, build us a soccer field, a stadium. So it hasn't been maintained since the day it was built, so it was dilapidated. But thank the Lord, a couple of days later, it didn't have a chance to become a heavy burden on, it, on us. The money was donated for that purpose. But what it did is, because World Embrace was kind of known in town already, because we were involved in different things. But as soon as we said to our LC5, and of course our mayor heard immediately and our town clerk heard immediately, uh, they got on radio. TV's no big deal in Uganda, but radio is everything in the north, I should say, specifically the north. So they got on the radio. They're talking about World Embrace. They're talking about uh, World Embrace is donating 35 million shillings, and we want other charities to be like World Embrace. We want business businesses in town to be like World Embrace that are loving our community, caring for our community. So it was really an amazing thing how we moved from kind of known to a household name in our region and God really planned things yeah let I agree let's clap along with him thank you Lord God has a plan he's always many steps ahead of us for sure and he orders our steps we know that so I want to show some pictures here because they asked Kathy to be the chairman of the finance committee she controlled all of the donations coming in. I never saw this picture before. Yeah, well, that's her <laughs> dealing with the big uh, wheel loader there that's gassing up and continue to show more pictures. Uh, there she is overseeing the work. I was there every day as well. I'm taking the pictures usually always. I'm not in front of the camera too much. I'm taking the pictures. But you can see the work going on. It was really dilapidated. Keep going. Keep going. We'll, we'll go through these quickly. Yes, keep going. There's our LC5 chairman, Martin Mappenduzzi. There's the stadium, okay? So we keep going. Oh, the seating. The seating area, yeah. But it was very broken down, and uh, it was all up to Gulu. The federal government didn't step in to help, though it was an international event, and we had to repair and knock down things, obviously. But hold it right there. Well, that's okay. Show, the, show that. Now we back up here. Because of the fact that World Embrace became, was the largest donor to the Peche War Memorial Stadium renovations, we got the prime location. So we got to paint our message right there. And, uh, and the games, the next picture show the games. The East African games happened. We had about 20,000 people packed in there, maybe 30. And uh, it was an absolutely amazing gathering. The next photo as well shows uh, the finished uh, stands and it was all painted and the field was replanted, soccer posts and everything. And it was really an amazing thing for World Embrace to have that opportunity that God totally opened up. But what it did is it, and, and on the inside, yeah, that's about a 20 or 30 
meter Jesus is Lord. It's just huge. That's right across from the 50-yard line, so to speak, on the other side where everyone has to read it. And again, <laughs> other people are promoting banking and they're promoting this and that and the other thing, but we are promoting the name above every name. And because we're, we're working with the Christ-centered churches of Gulu, believing uh, in the fulfillment wanting to be a part of the answer to Jesus' prayer in John 17. Father, may they be brought to complete unity so that Gulu, or so that the world will know uh, that you love them and have sent me. So it, it's just a, a privilege to be involved. So that's, that's new since we were with you, this whole involvement. But what it has really done is as we're ready to launch into the Gulu Community Champion Center, the town knows who we are. They know how we operate. Uh, we learned a lot of the cons and the games that are played in Africa, dealing with the contractors and the people gassing up at the pumps and all that. In fact, Kathy had the, the reputation and the name they gave her as the Iron Lady. <laughs> all the workers, because every day she was there paying the workers and addressing issues and, and corruption and things like that. It was, yeah, really something. Okay, so let's... Uh, I should tell a story. The, the Africans have a name for me, too. Yes. It's Chitumbu. Ah. It means little fat white boy, by the way. But <laughs> it does actually, it does actually mean Well, that. you were a boy there, of course. That's so right. That's right. They call so it as they saw it, I guess. Meet the Iron Lady, <laughs> and I am the little fat white boy. <laughs> so what I'd like to be able to do with all the, 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 the season, because we're starting to get into the season now where we're celebrating... Uh, with uh, Reynolds and Kathy for the things that are going on inside of their ministry and inside of the work that has been going on now for a few years in their hearts for quite some time. And so what I asked them to do with us today, if we could, is have them hang out with me a little bit because so, we're right in the middle of this uh, understanding that God is trying to give to us about the concept of courage and how we can be people who follow God, who do the things that God's asking us to do, but we can often find ourselves many times when it comes to obeying God, when it comes to stepping out in the things of God, that we don't necessarily, at the same time as we get an understanding of the word of God, that do we also get the courage that it takes in order to see that thing come to pass. If you take a look at the way that our, uh, the, the, our life goes, uh, for most of us, most of us were not necessarily raised in the Lord and uh, you know, all of those kind of things or really trained in these things from, from birth. Um, so most of us kind of grow up and through our sort of like our zero to 20 or so years, we really become or we try to become very confident in ourselves and in our own abilities. Matter of fact, that's kind of where we're, we're, we're directed by all of our mentors and leaders. Their, their job is to kind of identify for us, you know, you're really good at this and you're not really good at that. You know, my parents didn't send me to art class. Uh, you probably could under, you know, if you watched me draw something, you'd understand why they didn't do that. Um, and so they directed me and they led me and encouraged me in the areas that they saw strength in me. And we can kind of get into that place as human beings where we become very confident in our own abilities. And that's not bad, gave that God gave us those abilities. And, but what happens is, is that we find that it's not long in our lives before we discover that those abilities are, are not gonna take us very far. You know, they might take care of me, especially in our culture, you know, as long as you're good at something, as long as you're warm and breathing, you can have a decent life over here. 
Um, but you realize, especially when God starts to talk to you, that his purpose and plan for you is like, you know, atmospheric levels of accomplishment. And we start to become very aware that there, there just isn't in me that which can accomplish these things that God is talking to me about. Most of the time we just, and we fluff them off. We kind of ignore them because they're so impossible. They're so out there. God begins to then talk to us about the principles that are, uh, that govern this natural system and that govern the world. And we've talked about many of them here. You know, what, what makes something go from impossible to possible to probable to inevitable? There are real spiritual principles that guide that journey. But then we've also come to a place where we discover that oftentimes, even though we use those principles, we pray and we spend time with God and we learn his word and we go to church and we fellowship with people who believe like us, all of those good things we discover that there are mechanisms as part of the process of believing God for something when the thing that we're believing for is no longer visible anymore. We, you know, stuff starts to happen. How many of you know when I say stuff, what I'm talking about, right? Adversity comes, issues come, difficulties come, challenges come, enemies come, persecution comes pressure comes, all of those type of things, which at first is pr it's not a big deal. You kind of, it's there like a, you know, like a little, little annoyance. But how many of you have ever been in a situation where uh, the, the, the problem, the situation blinds your ability to see into the future? Let me say it like this. We've talked about that here, that in order for faith to be real faith, it has to be built on real hope. Right? right? The Bible says that in Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So in order for faith to be real, it has to be built on hope. Maybe get my board up here, guys, so I can put the important stuff on it. In order for faith to be real, it has to be built on hope. And hope is a expectation, a picture, a concept, a reality that you see on the inside that doesn't yet exist on the outside. But it's clear on the inside, what happens when the picture that you have on the, in, the, the adversity that you face, the difficulty that comes in your life, the impossible situation that you have now been confronted with, what happens when that blinds your ability to see forward, to see the thing that you're believing for? You know, imagine if you were running, 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 running down the hall here, and all of a sudden the power went off, and you couldn't see where you were going anymore, what would you do? Stop. Uh, probably some of you wouldn't, but most of you <laughs> would stop dead in your tracks. Why would you stop dead in your tracks? Because I can't see where I'm going anymore. What happens in our lives when that happens? Can I tell you, this is what happens. when It's the mechanism of how your soul responds to things. For it to be real faith, it has to be built on hope. A real hope, not just, oh, it'd be nice if it would happen. No, it's a clear, concise image on the inside of you. In order for the hope to be real, it has to, produ it has to be producing in you courage. And uh, let me tell you why. I remember when, Al where's Pastor Alex at the back? At the back? Hey, 
I was, I was, I could take you to the spot I was standing in my living room. Alex, if you've seen in my house, the, the, the living room is over here and you can see kind of through to the kitchen. Alex is in, Pastor Alex is in the kitchen. He's on his laptop and all of a sudden he breaks out into laughter because he just found out on the stream of whatever he was watching that Donald Trump just, uh, just declared his intention to become the president of the United States. <laughs> And at the time, how many of you remember that moment at the time, right? If, uh, yeah. I, I don't gamble. I, I've never gambled in my life. I've never bought a lottery ticket. So I don't want you to think that I'm teaching you how to gamble. I'm not teaching you how to gamble. At that time, the, pos the, the, the bookies who were taking bets on who was going to be the next president of the United States said that, that Donald Trump's chances of winning were 150 to one. In the world of betting, that pretty much means impossible, okay? That would mean he, could, he would have to go through 150 elections before he would even have the possibility of winning one, okay? But now remember what happens then is that, but if you were to bet $1,000, like I told Alex, if I were to bet the, I, I, I yelled right back through to him, I said, Alex, he's gonna win the election. And I'll tell you why he won the election is because a man fighting for his country is a lot more powerful than a man fighting for money, okay? And that's what a billionaire is, and I'm not, I'm not I, didn't, I don't vote, I'm not American. I'm showing you an example of what we're watching there when a, when a man of that ability can go, he can go do whatever he wants in his life. When he's got the heart that says, I'm gonna throw my hat in the ring, I'm gonna let people make fun of me, I'm gonna let them persecute me, I'm gonna let them do all that because I really believe in the United States of America and I really believe we have somewhere to go and I really believe I can help. That person now is igniting something towards their, their own victory. And we'll talk about that today. Not specific, it's, it's easy to, 2020 is, is, is uh, hindsight's 2020, right? So I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that imagine if you would have made a bet on this the day that Pastor Alex and I were together. If you put $1,000 on this, you would have been paid out $150,000 as, as part of that bet. Now the day before, now this is at 11 o'clock, Florida had already gone to Trump. It was still five to one. They were still, the, bet, the, the, the gambling people were still betting against Donald Trump even after he won Florida, which was almost a fait accompli that he was gonna win. So that was how impossible it was for him to get into the White House. And so listen, that's why I'm telling you all of this. The way your soul works is that it is always calculating the odds of you getting to the place that you want to get to. Yeah. It's doing it right now. It's always calculating probabilities. What does it look like? What does it look like? Is it likely? Is it likely? Is it getting more likely, less likely? All of this is happening in the supercomputer. The 95% of your brain that they say you don't use is doing that all the time. The, and so what happens in this is that as we go from when we first find out about the plan and purpose of God in our lives, we're here. It's impossible, it's just not gonna happen. Uh-uh, no way, no way, no way, no way, no way. And then what starts to happen is, is that we learn a little bit about faith principles. And so we move over to here and starting to get a little bit likely. It's starting to get, and you start to feel the courage of that. You start to be able to move a little bit towards the destiny that God has for you because you're starting to figure out and your soul is starting to feel good about it. 
Right? Remember we said about the levels of when you're walking in the levels with God, it's not like a straight line like this that you just slowly incline every day. You go up by these levels. And this is a huge issue. When you're standing here, the probability of you getting up there is very small. And it feels very small. That's where our issue comes in our ability to walk with God and continue to walk with God. The problem is, is that we become very, uh, very comfortable living. See, that's why I'm, this is my side. We become very comfortable living on this level right here. And we learn how to do it. And we learn the faith that's necessary. Remember I told you about the shower last week when I was taking the shower, now I'm used to be cold, I'm not cold anymore. We become used to living on the level that we are on. But then what God does is God doesn't want us to live on that level. God's level is like way the way the way the heck up there. Without, our soul, without training our soul in what is necessary to continually make these leaps on that journey, then we end up getting up to this level and we stay on this level for the rest of our life. Our destiny is so much more, so much greater, so much bigger, so much more world impact, so much more kingdom on earth, but we never get there because we just settle in it because it's enough, 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 enough. And usually where we are is we'll come in and we stand right here and all we get for the rest of our lives is we're looking at a stone wall and we just wait there and wait there, and wait there, and wait there, wait there. That was not God's intention. So, as we are going through this messy journey right here, the thing that we have to understand in in Deuteronomy chapter 31, this has been, as you can tell, it's rocking my world right now. Because what do you really do? How do you prevent, how do I prevent that? I'm 50, how old am I now? 50 something, or 61, 19, I'm 56? 56. I'm 56 right now. And I'm saying, wow, you know what? We should just, just chill. Let's just chill. Let's just chill. Right? How many of you know this pressure? How many of you are, are got the same color hair as me? I mean, in real life, the same color hair as me. Right? You want to get into this zone. You want to, you want to, you want to look over here, everybody. Look over here, everybody. The, the, you want to kind of chill. You want to stop. You want to level out. But what God needs to do is he wants to train us on how do you just not level out? I'm not saying I'm going to continue being crazy, but how do you get to the place where you're always ready to go to that next step with God? You're always ready to take another leap. You're always going after like Caleb, like Joshua. Just come on, let's go. I don't, I don't want to live in the desert anymore. I don't want to live out here. I don't want to go back to Egypt. I want to keep going up. I want to keep going up. I want to keep going up in order to achieve and to experience the thing that God, when he first imagined you in the eon, before the time even was, he imagined you in the greatness and the majesty of the call of God and the purpose of God, the destiny of God that's on your life. How do we do this? How do we not let adversity steal our courage? Can I tell you? That's what it does. And so these guys are here. I'll tell you my story once they're gone tomorrow and they're back. I have nine months to tell you my story. These guys have also, now we're celebrating with them about the glory of the things that are going on and God's using them to do amazing things in Africa. How many of you know most people in the, you know, below the, the South Sudan border, that's a line right across the pork chop of the continent of Africa. Above that is Muslim, below that is Christian. 
predominantly Christian. The vision that these guys have, God's given them, is to unite the body of Christ into one family and one body because of the power that comes when everybody's united, not united around doctrine, not united around a particular book or a particular teaching, a particular message, although that's awesome, everybody has to have one of those, but that they can unite people as brothers and sisters in, in the Lord. And when we can unite them, the leaders predominantly, then you unite, you, you unite their congregations, their posse, all come together also to be able to do things and accomplish things all in the name of God, in the name of Jesus and the name of the kingdom on earth. And what you do, the vision that God has given them is that if we could just do that, if we could just get the people together and teach them that we love each other and we care about each other and that for the most part, we're the same. We got a couple differences, you know, your nose is bigger than mine or my ears are bigger than yours, whatever. But we can come together and we can be unified in that. That's the vision that God gave them. It sounds awesome. Let's hear about where that vision came from. And some of these things here where we have to focus, we have to get that, that God thing on the inside of us that empowers us through the adversity, through the impossible, through the, you know, the terrible D's. You know what those are? You know, despair and disillusionment and, dis and depression and distraction. The terrible Ds that come in, that's how you know you're losing your courage because, you know, depression starts to come in, disillusionment starts to come in, despair starts to come in, distractions start to come in. That's what, the, that's what losing courage feels like. It's what it looks like. Talk. <laughs> so, uh... Two thousand and one, hosting one hundred Huntley Street. We had no idea that God was going to rock our world. And as we were interviewing Bruce Wilkinson, the author of the Prayer of Jabez, I don't know if any of you read that. Expand my borders, territories. He just turns the table, and it quickly became a thirty-minute therapy session on national television, where he totally took control of the interview. And he just started, are you really happy with what you're doing? What is God calling you to do? And, and one of the things he said was, he said, start hugging the globe, pray over it with your kids. And so we started doing that. But in that context, he said, I want to tell you something. The Lord would say to you, take courage. As he starts really telling us what God wanted us to do, which would launch us into what we're doing now. But he kept going back to, the Lord would say to you, take courage. And he said, when you, when you study that in Joshua, it, the Lord was saying, take what you don't have. Here, I'm giving it to you. Take it. I know you don't have it, but I'm giving it to you. Take it. And so we did. And naive me, <laughs> faith-filled me, I should say, I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. Let's giddy up, God. But fast forward, as we're waiting and praying and pressing through and taking courage and fasting and praying and believing, our world completely crashed. And talk about the Ds, despair, depression, all that. I'll let you talk about that. But it was then in 2000. So I'm, I'm pregnant, 2001, world embrace. Okay, we've heard from God, John 17, all that, that you articulated beautifully. 
And I'm thinking, okay, I'm ready to birth this baby. I, pregnancy and me don't get along. I, morning sick, all that stuff. You know, it just didn't, it was. But then someone came to me and said, long gestation, big baby, don't, don't push this out before God says it's time. So, and I, that spoke to me very clearly because our firstborn was very premature and she almost died. So I totally knew what a premature birth. But in the waiting, oh, I love that song, he is in the waiting. All of a sudden, our world, it just seemed like it totally fell apart. Uh, in 2007, we held something called Heaven's Rehearsal uh, that was part of World Embrace, part of the vision. We booked the Air Canada Center and put a call out to the Bride of Christ and all of its ethnic diversity to come together uh, for an audience of one, to worship the Lord. And then in the next year, Rogers Center, uh, and it was a beautiful gathering, Heaven's Rehearsal. And then just after that, when we were feeling, okay, we're going to do a Heaven's Rehearsal in Africa, we got the rug pulled out from under us. Uh, there was a man that we knew for many, many years. Uh, he was involved in launching and actually running a Ponzi scheme. And because we knew him, he was a friend from years ago, uh, we were associated with him by name. And when it was discovered it was a Ponzi scheme, this criminal activity that he was involved in, because our name, my name and my brother's name, was fairly well known because of our father, David Maines, who uh, for many years was the most well-known Christian leader in Canada, the newspapers got a hold of it and threw our names in there as well. Um, and, I mean, if, if you Google us today, there's some nasty bloggers out there, too, that were telling lies and hoping for the worst. And, but because this was all of a sudden, oh, you know, our, the Crossroads board didn't know what to think, what's going on here. All of a sudden, the Mains boys, their name is in the newspaper with this guy who's running a Ponzi scheme. And uh, so they took Ron and me off the air. All of a sudden, we were gone like that, without explanation. And so it was really quite a time when I, I, I would have loved to have had the opportunity to explain what was going on, but we didn't. We were just off the air. So I know we became uh, the talk at the water coolers of every church across Canada. And it was, it was just a really shocking, hard time. We lost a lot in the physical, you know, with, with, with money and things like that. God can replace that. But... Mostly, we were just really hurt and very sad because of the fact that we knew many people that were very hurt as well as a result of this, that, that we had even mentioned about what we are doing. If you want to find out about it as well, you can. And so it was a very dark and difficult time. So in, in an instant, we lost our jobs. We soon lost our home. We lost our reputation for a while as people were questioning. And what overcame us was we were in despair. Reynolds at that point said, I'm done with ministry. I'm done. I'm done dreaming big. I'm done believing. Depression just, I mean, almost took him out. We're just being real, okay? And um, this was in 2009. Yeah. And so for three years, it was a very, very, very dark time. I couldn't even get out of bed for many days at a time. I had, I, I had never experienced stuff like that. Where are you, God? I don't hear you, God. I don't feel you. You know, like, God, we, we didn't plan. You know, why? All the 
if only, if only he wouldn't have come back into our lives, this man. If only somebody would have told us what they're telling us now. Oh, I knew you shouldn't have done it. You know, all these if onlys. And then God and his faithfulness. And, you know, please, we're not going to keep going on because we're going to hand it back to you. But God and his faithfulness had me, it's just a, a, an incredible story. But bottom line is the odds of finding this book that had been packed away after we lost, you know, so, had to sell our house, all that. Anyway, it just all of a sudden appeared on a bookshelf. And I know that I had packed that book away. But anyway, it's entitled Greenleaf in, in Drought Time. And it was from the book of Jeremiah, autobiography of these missionaries in China. Tells the story of a young family who, you know, were desperately, they were being starved to death, isolated, all this stuff. And the, the young mother was just at her, it was just, I'm done. God, I'm done. Missionaries, missionaries in, in China. And anyway... The Lord told her, go into the, and they, they had, the government had confiscated everything. Go into that one little empty crate that you use to put your baby on to sleep, to put your little food that you have on. Go in there, and I want you to find what's in there. And she kept saying to the Lord, no, like, you know, nothing's in there. And she was plagued with the if-onlys. If only we wouldn't have gone inland China. If only we, you know, if only, if only. She finally opened the, the crate, and there in the bottom of the crate was this little piece of paper. It was a track, and it was entitled, Give Your If-Onlys to God. And then it went, and it, it was all about, was it, is it John chapter 11 or John chapter 12 with Lazarus being raised from the dead? Okay, 11, and just quickly, and this is what God gave me in the darkest time, where when, you know, the sisters had sent word to Jesus, come, come on, he's dying. But he didn't come, and he, and he stayed, and he, Lazarus died. And so then here comes Jesus on the scene, and Mar uh, Martha c comes up to him in verse 21, and she says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then a few verses later, Mary is with him, and she says the exact same thing. What, she says, if only you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And then a few verses later, in verse 40, Jesus said, did I not tell you that if only you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And in that tract, it said, give your if-onlys. To God, let his if only collide with your if only. Take hope, take courage. You will see the glory of God. And that was the lifeline that got us through into the next level. One thing when we were going through this very dark time, there were embers there. And Kathy, I know, would often pray. She'd pray more than me. I was just really down. And, and uh, she said, Lord, if you want us to move forward with World Embrace and this vision, you need to stir those embers, stir the ashes, and, and we'll, be, we'll be willing, but we need to hear from you. So I would often say, here I am, Lord, send Kathy. <laughs> you know? And, and that's what happened on the first trip back to Africa. She went back to Africa to scout it out, to meet with the people we had met with, and to just see, see what God was doing. Yeah, he was stirring the ashes, and then she came back, and... 
But it was certainly a difficult time, but, but God never left us. God never left us. And uh, it was just a matter of God's timing. His timing is not our timing. And we know there is the attacks of the enemy. Uh, Satan is the thief. Comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But we're not out in Christ Jesus. Yes. And so you could, we can each apply these situations into our own lives right now. Like your life might not be at the place where it has completely fallen apart, where it has completely collapsed. The strategy that God gave to Joshua, now we're looking at sort of like this parable in our, our ability to look into the scriptures as a parable and be able to receive from the parable the things that God told Joshua to do. When jo the problem that we all deal with is the fact that this level, when we get onto a level, right, because it's not a steady incline, when we get onto each one of these levels, we can become lazy because things are more comfortable. How many of you know when the wolf is at the door, you're ready to fight? Especially Christians, especially if you're here, you're one of those people that's, you know, you're just go giving it in your prayer time, you're making your confessions, you're pushing yourself, because when there's a wolf at the door, when there's a problem that's facing you, you're fighting. But then what happens is, is that we kind of get into a place where things kind of all of the stuff goes away. We start to grow into the faith that is necessary, the principles that are necessary to operate comfortably at that level. Remember we talked before about self-confidence? Yes. What we learn as Christians, we actually grow into a faith confidence. I've learned the principles, and because I've learned the principles and I'm practicing the principles, those principles govern this natural world. As I'm on this level, I start to be able to use those principles, and what happens? My life starts to become very comfortable. It starts to be okay. I mean, you're still hanging off a cliff, but you don't notice it anymore, right? It's like me in my shower. I'm still shutting the water off, but I'm not cold anymore. I'm getting used to what it feels like at this level. But when Joshua now, we'll, we'll go into some scripture because we're kind of running out of time. But when God talked to Joshua, he said, listen, this is what I'm going to do. As I'm going to take you across the Jordan. I'm going to take you into the promised land. Remember, I am going to go before you. This is Deuteronomy chapter 31, the first couple verses there. When God is talking to Moses and then Moses tells it to Joshua, he says, listen, God is going to go before you. He is going to set up your victory. So that when you go there, you have to go, you have to show up for the fight, but God is setting up the victory right now. It's all being organized so that when you get there, it's going to work. I had a video for you. I, I'm not going to play it today because we're out of time, but you know, have you ever seen one of those 100,000 domino things, yeah. you know, where they, you know, YouTube things? It's like that. Like you show up for the show and you click that first domino and brrr, all these things go until the, th I'll play it for you as we close, after close, if you want to sit down and watch it. That's kind of how it is. God has gone before us and set up all the dominoes. All he needs us to do is show up and flick that little domino and the next thing you know, the whole thing is going to come collapsing down around us. But then he says, I'm going to come back and I'm going to go with you. So there, you're going to sense the presence of God as you're going into these things. I, am, you, you know, I will never forsake you, and I will never leave you. And so he says the victory of that stage is already yours. It's theirs for, there for you to just go and possess it. And he says because, that's the important that. He goes that. This is that. 
We'll talk about it maybe next week. If I, I don't know if I'm here on Sunday, uh, in the pulpit on Sunday, but the word that. I've done all of this that when you get to the promised land, you can obey me and you can get to know me. In Jeremiah, it says that we, we are to obey God and in the obeying of God, we're going to get to know him. So what happens? What's the, what's the key? What's the trick of not ending up getting so comfortable on a level that I don't quit on that level and just kind of make, you know, just kind of stir up a lot of dust, go around in circles a lot, make it look like I'm doing something. How do I do that? The way that you do it, God says, is that when you get on that level, don't stop obeying God. What he's going to do in all of those obediences is he's going to keep you hot. He's going to keep you on fire. He's going to keep you moving forward. He's going to keep you in a place of relationship with him. And you're going to continue to grow and continue to accelerate towards a wall. <laughs> this, is the, this can be the nerve-wracking part, right? When the Lord said this to me 15 years ago, it would, he showed me a picture of the Batmobile. And you know how the Batmobile works, you know, it can go a, a million miles an hour, but then when it's coming up against an obstacle, Batman just pushes a button and the retro rockets fire and he jumps over top of the obstacle. How many of you have seen that? Y'all, y'all Batman fans? He showed me that about the way we live our lives. That if you crawl up to this wall at two miles an hour, push the button if you like. Right? Nothing's, you're just gonna have like something like, not gonna get over the wall. Or if you drive at that wall at 600 miles an hour and forget to push the button. What happens now? Now you hammer into the wall, right? And we felt that, right? That hurts, right? A lot of facial damage at that place. But he says, if you do this right, if you're going to stay in obedience to the Lord, like when he asks you to do every day, this is my new challenge. Every day, start the day by saying, God, what do you want me to do today? He says, wear the orange socks. Lord, I hate the orange socks. He looks, wear the orange socks. What do you want me to do? Call that person who you yelled at yesterday and say you're sorry. No, Lord, he's, that was his fault. He's supposed to call me. Call him. Right, when you drive by that person, you go to the Tim Hortons, buy a coffee for the guy behind you. I don't want to do that, Lord. He should be buying me. No, do it. Learn to do what he's doing in those seasons of obedience. What he's doing in our lives is he's continually empowering us with the acceleration towards the, the wall, towards this next leap that we have to do and preparing us for it. Yeah. The second thing he says when you're, when you're in the wilderness is I want you to get to know me. I am giving you abundance because I want you to be able to rest, period, no, comma, so that you can get to know me better. The confidence that we need in God when we are standing here and can't see here. We need the confidence in God to know that he does see there, that he's gone before us, that he's ordered that area, that no matter what it is that we face when we get up there, we are going to continue to be victorious, even though uh, what we see now standing here, we can't see up there. In order to do that, imagine what it would be like if, I sh if we close off all the lights, no windows in this building, so we shut the lights off in here, it's not just black, it's black. 
You cannot even see that your hand in front of your face. But I know how, I've been in here when it's dark, so I know how to get out of the building. If I just came to you and I grabbed you by the hand and I said, come with me. If you trust me, you'll come with me. Won't you? If you, if like for Paul, he knows that I owe him a bunch. So he's not gonna come with me because he knows I'm gonna run him through every chair that is gonna be in this building, right? And so if, if you don't trust me, you're not gonna come. What God needs us to be doing in the time, which our lives are all like that. We live in a very comfortable, a very safe, a very, it's, you know, good. You can live at almost any level of, of our society and be comfortable there. We can, you know what, as human beings, can I tell you something? We can get comfortable living in a hole in a, on a war field. If we do, if what God has got in your life, look at it personally. This is what God is doing in every single one of our lives. He's causing us to be able to have an accelerated ability to continue going from level to level to level and experiencing it with the joy and hope and expectation with all the smiles that we have because we are confident not just in the principle of faith but in the God who wrote the book. Mark 11 says this, have faith in God. And when you can, you grow, when you grow up and, you know, even if, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, how many of you know the God principles of faith, you know, hope and, 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 and all of these things you can buy, the secret is part of that, you know, the law of attraction, all those things that the new age or modern talkers talk about, those are all biblical principles. But can I tell you where the, those principles fall down? They fall right here because they don't get you up to this next level. Do you see that? Because in order for me to get up to that next level, I have to know God. Not the concept of God. He and I have to have a relationship together. That's what these guys are talking about. That when they're literally face down in the ditch, they can say, but God. They can say, you know what? Though I fall, yet will I arise. Because they know the vision, they know what God is asking them to do, they know where they're going, and that thing, that ember as they referred to it, that stirring, that even though they would look like Lazarus, dead on the outside, within them is stirring the words of God. Within them is stirring the destiny. Within you right now is stirring the reason you were born. Mark Twain says it like this, the two most important days in your life is the day you're born and the day, and the day you find out why. And when you can feel that thing, I think that's almost the purifying. That's what these guys are saying. It's the purifying of the destiny and purpose. That when you're laying dead in the ditch, it's that fire that's left after all of you is dead. And then that fire that begins to stir you again, it begins to raise you up. It begins to, like Lazarus, put life back into your soul. Every single one of us. These words are not just the words of a preacher. These words are God's words in your life. He wants to do this. The key of it is one, that even in the place of, of blessing that we are living in right now, that I continue every day to be purposeful about my obedience to the Lord. And number two, 
that in that obedience, I get to learn the nature of God. Obedience is always challenging. It's always difficult. But in that, I'm starting to learn that God has gone before me. I'm starting to learn that God is always with me. I'm starting to learn that God will never forsake me. I'm starting to learn God will never fail. Say that with me. God will never fail. Can I tell you the confidence that you need right here? This confidence, when you're going up a level, that confidence has to be God has gone before me. It's got to be God is with me. It's got to be God will not forsake me. It's got to be God will never fail. When we have that on the inside, can you feel the courage? Can you feel the, the victory? See, when you can feel the victory, that's hope. Yes. I can see it. I don't necessarily see it like the dominoes. I can see the last piece going down, but I don't know how the person's going to get from the beginning to the end. But I can see it happening because I know God is, God is uh, victorious, that the battle has already been won. All I need to do is step through the chronos, the time, in order for me to stand in the victor circle. Lots of stuff has to happen around me. Lots of victories, lots of battles have to be fought. But in the end of the day, my expectation, because God has gone before me, is that I will be victorious, just like they were singing today. That hope, that expectation, that even though I can't see where I'm going, even though I don't know how it's gonna happen, even though I, God is calling me to do something that seems absolutely foolish to me, there is a courage on the inside of me. There is an ability that's on the inside to take that first step, to start the journey, because I am absolutely convinced on the inside. God has done that and convinced me. He's shown me that picture with such an ability, such a dimension that it has produced, it already produces courage just because I can see it. I can't see it in the natural, but I can see it on the inside. Put your hand over your heart and say this with me. Say, Jesus, I know that you've called my life to change this world, to impact this world in such a way that heaven is visible in this natural realm. You're calling me to do that. And it doesn't matter how impossible it may seem today. That destiny is as sure as this moment that I'm standing in right now. In your eyes, you can see then, you can see there, just like you can see here. So I declare today that courage is born in my heart. And I resist the devil. Every bit of depression, every bit of despair, every bit of disillusionment, and every distraction that is trying to grab my soul and pull it away from the purpose and destiny of God and further decrease the courage in my life, I reject those things and they flee from me. And in their place, I submit to God. I declare his destiny, his purpose produces courage in my life, produces an expectation of standing in the winner's circle, surrounded by the destiny God has given me. And that's the truth. 
And I will live out of that truth and the blessing that it creates for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name.